Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode of Reach is brought to you by our sponsor, Jackie, another secret weapon that executive assistants and women who do it all need to know about. You guys all know that feeling, right? Staring at your closet and thinking to yourself, I have so many clothes and yet nothing to wear. That is why Jackie is here. Jackie is a high-end boutique subscription styling service that you apply to join. What I love about Jackie is you get to develop a relationship with your stylist. Your stylist is someone you can text or call or email with specific wardrobe needs or ideas you have. Or maybe there's an upcoming event or trip or meeting or even a wedding that your ex is going to be at that you really, really, really want to look fantastic for. Those are exactly the types of scenarios a Jackie subscription can help with. Each box from Jackie is filled with high quality clothing and accessories. Jackie is here to help all of us embrace our style and our confidence. This is subscription styling done right for the women who do it all. So apply to join Jackie and fall in love with your style this year. Visit shopjackie.com to apply to join and be sure to tell your stylist Maven sent you with code MAVEN20 for 20% off all the items kept in your first box. Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hi, it's Jessica. Before we get started today, I want to take a quick moment to thank all of you, our community of devout listeners. If you're enjoying our program, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts so more executive assistants can learn about our show. And if you have any questions, comments, recommendations, guest referrals, or simply want to be part of our growing community and stay in the loop on opportunities or events for our listeners, please send us an email at reach at mavenrec.com. That's R-E-A-C-H at M-A-V-E-N-R-E-C dot com. This is part one of a two-part series featuring Ann Parker, wellness coach and counselor from Miraval Wellness Resort and Spa. Be sure to stay tuned for part two to receive an exclusive promotion code specific for REACH listeners. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of REACH. I am your host, the founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group, Jessica Van. And today I am um, really, really excited to have Ann Parker with us. Uh, Ann is a wellness counselor uh, with Miraval Resorts here in Tucson, Arizona. Welcome, Ann. Thank you. Ann has based her work as a therapist in a wellness model since 1995. In her work, Anne integrates the wisdom of the unconscious with mindful approaches and strategies for wellness. She has also held various executive level positions in hospitals and nonprofit organizations and herself has had a number of executive assistants who have worked alongside her over her um, impressive career. So very familiar with what the EA uh, role entails and, and the value of what an EA brings. 
So Anne is going to be leading us in a discussion around how to navigate and manage stress in the workplace, the the word she calls the S word. (laughs) Um, And, you know, with workplace stress costing companies approximately $300 billion annually, according to the American Institute of Stress, I think it's pretty safe to say that there's a lot of stressed out people out there. So whether you're an executive assistant, an executive, an executive assistant listening on behalf of your stressed out executive, or just a human being in general, today's episode promises to give you some expert advice on how you can improve your well-being. So for those of us who aren't uh, lucky enough to have been to a Miraval Resort, um, in addition to being Oprah's favorite spot to unwind and rejuvenate, Miraval is a premier wellness destination resort and spa with locations in Tucson, in Austin, Texas, and uh, most recently in Lenox, Massachusetts. It is the place to decompress, to reconnect, or in some cases connect with yourself, um, discover life-enhancing practices, and heal. And Miraval has also generously offered an exclusive promotion for our REACH listeners. So if you're as inspired as we think you'll be by our episode today, then keep listening for more details at the end of our program. Uh, Without any further ado, um, my first question for you, Anne, is, you know, for many executive assistants, the fluidity and just the, the constant demand of this role combined with having to be in this constant state of giving and, and providing for others can lead to a lot of stress, a lot of exhaustion, and you know, sometimes even burnout. So can you talk to us about strategies for managing stress in order to prevent those types of outcomes? Well, of course. The first thing I like to talk about when I talk about the S word, as you said, stress, is that we need to understand that stress is actually a neutral stimulus. Now, that's an odd idea for most of us because we have come to think of stress only as a negative. I'm so stressed out. It's so stressful. But stress itself is actually a neutral stimulus. We actually don't want to get rid of stress, even if we could, in our lives. First of all, if we had no stress, life would be really boring. (laughs) But also, if we had no stress, we probably wouldn't be very creative or motivated. We might not be very productive. And so the first key to understand about managing stress is that stress is always going to be there in some form. And particularly when I think of executive assistants and the kind of roles that they play and the work that they do, stress is a part of the deal. It comes with the job. And so the key fundamentally to stress management is to relate to that stress differently. Um, One of the examples I often use is when we talk about athletes being in the zone and which, of course, we think of as a high productive state. But when an athlete is in the zone, it doesn't mean there's no stress. What it means is they are engaged with that stress in a positive, productive manner. And so that becomes, I think, a very helpful example of how we can relate to stress in our lives. Um, This actually goes back to the 1930s when they were first doing the research on the effects of stress on the autonomic nervous system that we now call fight or flight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, back in the 1930s, they actually had two terms for stress. Negative stress or unproductive stress was called distress. We all know what that is. 
Productive stress or positive stress was called eustress. Hmm. The prefix meaning eu, which in Greek translates as good, good stress. And so I think one of the fundamental things that we have to put our heads around when we deal with stress, particularly in the workplace, is that the stress is always going to be there. That goes with the territory. The question is, how do we engage with it? And do we engage with it in a way that is productive, or do we engage with it in a way that is counterproductive? And therein lies the the million dollar question and the million dollar answer. I would say, Anne. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I, I agree with you 100 percent that that it is it is a constant and it's an unavoidable um, byproduct of life, right? Stress, absolutely. So, so how do you how does one go about changing his or her relationship to that stimulus? Well, I think one of the first things we have to do is. Practice acceptance. (laughs) Acceptance in the sense that we acknowledge it's going to be there. You know, one of the things that I find that really gets people off the rails is they sort of go into the workplace every day with this expectation that things are going to go smoothly, their to-do list is going to be completed, and everything's going to run like they think it should. And when does that ever happen? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so part of the mind frame we have to go into it with is, let's see what this day brings. I like to encourage people to bring an attitude of curiosity so that instead of getting frustrated all the time or getting into distress everything every time something doesn't go according to our expectations, can we develop an attitude of curiosity? Well, what is today going to bring? Or when something doesn't go the way we want it to or that we planned for it to, instead of immediately going into that distress reaction, what if we step back and say, oh, let's see what we've got here? (laughs) This is a big part of the mindfulness approach is basically being willing to accept, as in acknowledgement, that this is what we were dealing with. And what that does is that it then allows us to be more efficient in how we respond. One of the other things that I think is important to know about how stress um, affects our brain is that when we are in that distress state, the prefrontal cortex part of our brain actually shuts down. And that's significant because the prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain that's most associated with what we call the executive functions, the Mm -hmm. higher level cognitive functions. One of the ways I like to describe it is that our body doesn't know the difference between a stressor that is life-threatening and a stressor that is 100 emails in our inbox. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that stress has become such a problem for many of us is because we're reacting to that 100 emails in our inbox as if it was life-threatening, when it really isn't. And yet, what part of our brain do we need to be most effective in dealing with that 100 emails? Our prefrontal cortex. And so this really comes down to being willing to, number one, accept that stress is part of the deal, unexpected is part of the deal, Things not going to according to plan is part of the deal. Mm -hmm. And then being willing to take that little pause to make sure that we're connected brain and body as we deal with whatever the stressor may be. 
acceptance doesn't mean you approve、mm-hmm. or that you agree with. Sure, it just means you acknowledge that it is. Right, and once we do that, as you say, we instead of wasting energy and resistance. We can empower ourselves to put our energies in the places where we can be most effective. Yeah, yeah. So, part of the the executive assistant role, you know, as you know, is reactive in nature, and that's you know what you were touching on just a moment ago about just embrace the fact that things are going to happen, that your to do list is never going to be a hundred percent completed, that you know things are going to go awry, right? Absolutely. So, part of it is reactive, no matter, no matter how good you are at your role. Um, no matter how diligent you are, you know these these things are going to happen, and you, as an executive assistant, are expected to jump in and respond. And at the same time, you know we all aim to live a more intentional and balanced life. We want to be able to unplug. We want to be able to unwind. Not be engaged with our email and our our social media and our text messages all the time. So, how can EAs? Balance the urgency of their role, and you know, and those unforeseen demands that pull them out of、uh, of that relaxing state.、Um, and how can they also stay true to the desire to unplug? What what strategies can you offer to help them kind of achieve that balance? Well, one of my go tos is what I call BFF: <laughs> breathe and feel your feet. <laughs> And I use that as a primary basic strategy, because you're right. When we're in reaction mode, that leads us more to that distress. When we can respond, that leads us more to that eustress. And one of the most efficient ways we have that's always accessible to us is to take a breath and feel your feet. Now we all know the power of taking a conscious breath. You know, just like our grandmothers told us, take a good breath, you'll feel better.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> We know what that can do. But I add the feel your feet part because as I'm taking that breath, if my awareness can also go down to my feet, now brain and body are connected. I'm not just in my head, and I'm not just in reaction mode. I'm bringing all of me to bear. And so, one of the most powerful things that we can do anytime, any place, to create that little pause is to breathe and feel your feet. I also recommend to people sometimes just to wiggle your toes, because how often are we aware of what our where our feet are? So, just that basic bring your awareness down to your feet. You also get grounded. You have a sense that something's underneath you, which is going to give you more strength and confidence to deal with whatever it is that you have to deal with. So that's my basic go-to strategy.、Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I think is important, and I go back to a quote that、um, actually comes from Dwight D. Eisenhower back、mm-hmm. in the fifties, and he said, which I think is very interesting: "What is urgent is seldom important." What is important is seldom urgent,、mm. and I think that distinction is very key. When I talk about our instantaneous connection that we have these days,、um, one of the things that I always remind people about is speed doesn't equal urgency. Just because it's coming to us quickly doesn't mean it's urgent. Now, this is particularly. Difficult for somebody in an EA role because, of course, whatever's coming at them is probably urgent to the person who's sending it to them.、Mm-hmm. But they have the ability to 
again, take that little pause and decide, is this truly urgent? Is it important? Mm-hmm. Is it both? Mm-hmm. If it's both, then absolutely, you're on it. If it's not truly important or not truly urgent, then we can make choices about how we respond in a more meaningful manner. Mm-hmm. And again, this is part of that mindfulness approach, taking that little pause to make a choice with your prefrontal cortex intact sure. <laughs> instead of just staying in that distress mode, which ultimately not only exhausts us, but makes us less efficient. Right. Well, and it's like, um, you know, there's an expression um, that I, another another bit of advice I've also received in my life, which is, you know, as a, as a person, as a professional, you have to decide which balls are rubber and which balls are glass, right? It's <laughs> so, another good way what, to say it. <laughs> right? So what can you drop and what needs to be held on to? And it, I think that – so, you know, let's assume that, that the matter at hand is something that, that is, quote-unquote, a glass ball and is urgent and important. Um, then, it, it, I mean, it, it sounds like what you're saying is – if you've made the determination that it is something that needs to draw you up from your relaxing state, whether that was, you know, in the bathtub or watching a program <laughs> or getting a foot massage or whatever it might have been that's now pulling you into action mode, you know, what is what is that what what does that person need to do in that moment between recognizing that they need to take action and then jumping into the action seat? What do they need to do in that little itty-bitty space between those two events to basically to help them change their orientation or relationship to the stress, right? How can they stay in a mindful state and not feel stressed or resentful or get into de-stress? The other one that I would add is to not expect yourself to multitask. Now, I know multitasking is something that many of us pride ourselves on. However, the neuroscience shows us that multitasking is actually not possible. What we call multitasking, what we experience as multitasking from a brain perspective is actually serial focusing. I like to call it shifting focus really fast. Mm. And some of us have gotten so efficient at shifting focus really fast Mm -hmm. that we have forgotten how to focus when we want to and need to. (laughs) Right. And so one of the other things that I think we have to do in addition to the breathe and feel your feet in the acceptance is to be willing to focus. If this is truly urgent, if this is truly one of those glass balls, then it deserves 100% of my attention right now. And that way, I'm going to be more effective. I'm going to be more efficient in dealing with whatever it is. And I can also potentially keep myself from getting too wrapped up in that adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. And this is another thing that I think some of us have to be aware of. Some of us have gotten addicted to the adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. And we think we can't be effective without it. And so part of what I'm suggesting here is practicing that focus when we are not dealing with the stressor so we know how to focus when we are dealing with the stressor that's a great that's a great sound bite i really like that am so can you talk to us about this concept of 
pre-stress management versus stress management? Well, yeah, that's a great follow-up to what we were just talking about. Um, Stress management is, of course, about how we manage the stress in the moment. Pre-stress management is really about developing the skills so that we can manage the stress in the moment. Mm. And like I just said, it's all about making sure that we are practicing these skills when the stressor is not right in front of us so we know how to pull them up when it is. And so this is where a lot of people find that various uh, meditation techniques, various mindfulness techniques can be helpful. Um, I am certainly a big advocate of formal practice. And if, if a person is into that, I highly recommend it. I'm also aware that a lot of us are just never going to have that kind of formal meditative practice. And so one of the things that I think is very important is to bring a meditative focus to everyday activities. An example that I like to use, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Thich Nhat Hanh. He's a Vietnamese Buddhist monk who has been very uh, popular and is Mm -hmm. brought the idea of mindfulness really into, into the secular West. And Thich Nhat Hanh tells a lovely story that when you are washing dishes, that is a perfect time to practice your focus. He says, if you're washing the dishes to get them done, you're probably going to be in somewhat of a stress reaction. If you're washing the dishes to wash the dishes, you actually engage with the act of washing the dishes and they also get very clean. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And so one of the things that I certainly recommend in our busy lives is to bring that meditative focus to everyday ordinary activities. One of my little pet peeves I'll share with you is when I'm in the gym and people are zoned out. Mm -hmm. as they're on the treadmill or on the elliptical or whatever they're doing. Sure, their body's getting a workout, but what's happening to their mind? When I work out, I focus on what it feels like to work out. Right. And not only do I get a better workout physically, but I also, that time that I've spent on the treadmill is meditative focus as well. Right. And then I can bring that meditative focus that I've practiced to whatever the stressful situations happen in my daily life. What is your recommendation for how somebody can gear up for a day that they know is going to be stressful? This is just, you know, it, it, maybe it's a, it's a, you know, board meeting and it's a major event or, you know, there's a huge announcement that's going to hit the press and mm-hmm. you just know that the deck is stacked. What, what do you recommend for someone entering into a day like that? Grounding. The number one thing I recommend is grounding. And, of course, we can experience grounding in many different ways. Um, For some people, that would be doing a little yoga or meditation before you go to work. Mm -hmm. Um, For some people, that would be um, making sure that they're being very mindful about how they shower and how they dress and how they prepare their their body and their persona for the day. One of the little 
tools that I personally use is that I sit and drink my tea in the morning mm. instead of putting it in a to-go cup and drinking it on the way to work. Yeah. If you know it's going to be an, an unusually stressful day, you have to start with some kind of ritual that gets you connected and gets you grounded. And I think one of the mistakes that we make is we wake up knowing it's going to be one of those days and we go into distress mode right off the bat. Yeah. That actually is counterproductive because then you're already in that fight or flight stress reaction before you've even begun. (laughs) Yeah. And so, again, this doesn't have to take a lot of time. If you're a person that wants to do more of a formal practice, that is fabulous. One of the things that I'm able to do in my work life is I have a pretty long commute to get to Miraval each day. Mm -hmm. And so I use my time in the car as grounding time instead of thinking about what's to come for the day and trying to problem-solve problems that I don't even know where I'm going to have, mm-hmm. <laughs> I spend that commute time feeling my feet, breathing, listening to some music that I like. I don't listen to the news. I mm-hmm. listen to music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I want my mind to be focused on keeping myself centered Because if I start the day from that centered place, sure, I'm going to get knocked off centered, but at least I know what center is and I can come back to it. Yeah. And I think that's really a major key. And and would you say that the the ritualism of it is important as well, like the, the, the ritualism and the repetition of it? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we know from neuroscience is something that's called neuroplasticity. You may be familiar with that term. Mm -hmm. And what we know is that whatever we repeat gets hardwired in our brains. That old idea of we're creatures of habit is absolutely true, neurologically speaking. And so if we have those little rituals that we repeat, we actually do change the neuronal connections in our brain so that those do become habits and then they're there for us to rely on. Thank you for joining us for part one of our conversation with Anne. Stay tuned for part two, where Anne offers advice on how to practice mindfulness in our evolving workplace as many of us continue to work remotely. Plus, Anne is going to offer an exclusive promotion code for REACH listeners to use when booking their stays at any of Miraval's three resorts. REACH is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, we're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www.mavenrec.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.